let's, uh, let's hear the word of God, Jonah chapter 2. Uh, this, this chapter comes after Jonah has disobeyed God's call to go to Nineveh, to the, to the east. And Jonah has instead sought to go west, to Tarshish, by ship. Um, but as I'm sure you know, the Lord then whipped up this great storm and uh, Jonah eventually ended up being thrown overboard, seemingly to certain death. But then as we read at the end of chapter 1, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And this brings us to our chapter this evening. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Well, please have Jonah chapter 2 open. As we go through it this evening, there are many notable features about this prayer of Jonah. It is, for a start, a prayer that is saturated in scripture. So much of what Jonah prays here is drawn from other parts of God's word, especially the Psalms. Psalm 3 Psalm 120, Psalm 118, Psalm Psalm 88, Psalm 42, Psalm 31, Psalm 69, Psalm 50. All of these Psalms are referenced here in Jonah's prayer. It is a prayer that is saturated in Scripture. It's also a, a penitential prayer. Here we see Jonah repenting of his sin and his disobedience, turning in prayer back to the Lord, having turned away from him in the beginning. 
And it is, in addition to that, a prayer of thanksgiving as Jonah commits himself in renewed devotion to the Lord and does so from a heart of loving gratitude. Jonah's prayer here in Jonah chapter 2 is all of these things. It is a scriptural prayer. It is a penitential prayer. It is a thankful prayer. And there is much that we could learn from this prayer of Jonah's about how we ought to pray, about how our prayers ought to be soaked in scripture and full of repentance and overflowing with gratitude to God. But this evening, I don't want to focus on what you might call the how of prayer. Instead, I want to focus on the object of prayer. That is to say, I want to focus on the God to whom we pray, the God whose word should saturate our prayers, the God to whom we return in repentance, the God whose grace gives us gratitude and thankfulness for all that he has done for us. And here in Jonah chapter 2, we see at least four things about the God that we pray to, which I hope will encourage you in your own prayer lives. First of all, we see that we pray, it's a very simple point, but we pray to a God who hears us. Jonah begins his prayer by saying in verse 2, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Jonah had been in great distress, great anguish. He had been sinking down into the depths of the sea. It was as though he had entered into the very belly, as he puts it, of Sheol, right into the heart of the realm of the dead. And in his distress, Jonah had called out to the Lord. And wonderfully, as he says, the Lord answered me. The Lord heard my voice. And this is wonderful, not just because it shows you that you can never be too physically distant from God for him to hear you. He hears the cries of his children even when they are in the depths of the sea. But this is wonderful primarily because it shows you that you can never be too spiritually distant from God for him to hear you and to answer you. Jonah had willfully disobeyed God. God had said, go east to Nineveh. Jonah had sought to go west to Tarshish. Jonah was a proud, rebellious, even we might say racist prophet. But although Jonah had disregarded the Lord's voice when he had called him to go to Nineveh, Here we see that the Lord did not disregard the voice of his helpless, rebellious servant. Despite Jonah's great sin, his great sin, the Lord 
was still, as we're told in verse 1, his God. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Perhaps you have sinned grievously against the Lord. Perhaps you are walking in completely the opposite direction from the one that the Lord has told you to walk in. And perhaps as a result, you this evening find yourself in great distress. If so, repent. Repent of your sin and return to God. And know that as you return to God, though your sins, they are many, God's mercy is so much more. However far you may have fallen from the Lord, if you call out to him, he will hear you and he will answer you. He is and always will be the Lord, your God. We pray to a God who hears us. And then secondly, we pray to a God who is sovereign over us. Jonah continues in his prayer by saying in verse 3, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Here we see Jonah recognizing that behind all that he has gone through lies the sovereign hand of the Lord his God. Of course, Jonah had acted sinfully by getting on board the ship that was heading to Tarshish. And Jonah had told the sailors to cast him overboard. It was Jonah's fault that he ended up being plunged into the sea, sinking down and down and down towards his death. And Jonah is not denying that reality here. Jonah is not denying his sin. Jonah's prayer is, I believe, marked by a spirit of genuine repentance. But at the same time, Jonah rightly acknowledges That it is the Lord who has ordained all that has come to pass. He is the one who, as Jonah has said back in chapter 1 and verse 9, the God of heaven, the maker of the sea and the dry land. And he is therefore also the God who rules over the sea and the dry land. And it was therefore... The Lord his God who sovereignly cast Jonah into the deep. It was God's waves and it was God's billows that passed over Jonah. A sovereign and a severe mercy designed to bring Jonah back to his senses. And this just reminds us this evening that our God is absolutely sovereign. Absolutely sovereign. God has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. And such is the unabridged sovereignty of the Lord our God that he has even decreed our sin. He has sinlessly decreed our sin for his own glorious purposes, as well as for our good. And this is why we pray. 
We pray because God is sovereign. We pray because God is in control. We pray because God does all that he pleases, because he has decreed all that comes to pass. That is why we pray. We would not pray if this were not so. I mean, why would you bother praying to a God who might not be able to help you? Why would you pray to a God who said, well, I would like to help you, but I can't because I'm limited? Why would you bother praying to such a God who was small and limited and subject ultimately to the whims of men? You would not bother praying to such a God. You pray not in spite of God's sovereignty, but because of God's sovereignty. Every Christian, on his knees, is at heart a Calvinist. We pray to a God who is sovereign. Thirdly, we pray to a God who who gives us hope. You see, knowing that God is absolutely sovereign, one of the great blessings and benefits of that is that we are filled with hope. We are filled with the hope of rescue when we are in trouble. We are filled with the hope of forgiveness when we have sinned. We are filled with the hope of once again being in the presence of the one from whose presence we have run. And it's this hope that Jonah gives voice to in verse 4 when he says, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Jonah had, he says, been driven away from God's sight. He had been cast off. He had been cut off from God's presence because of his sin. And it had seemed as though he would never again experience the loving eyes of the living God upon him. But you see, knowing the goodness and the sovereignty of the Lord his God, Jonah yet had the sure hope that he would again look upon the Lord in his holy temple. That he would again enter that place where God was present in a special way. Why? Why did Jonah have such hope? Well, because the temple, that place where the priests offered up sacrifices to God on behalf of the people, was where God had chosen to dwell with forgiven sinners. Where he chose to dwell with sinners who had had their sins atoned for. And Jonah had sinned very, very badly. But knowing what his God was like, knowing that God was sovereignly gracious and gracious in his sovereignty, Jonah had hope. He had strong hope that the Lord would forgive him, that the Lord would restore him to his presence, that he would again see the Lord in his holy temple. Earlier on, I said that no matter how spiritually distant you are from God, and perhaps some of you are very far from God this evening, but no matter how spiritually distant you are from God, he will hear you when you pray to him. He will answer you. That is true. That is gloriously true. But what is also true is that God will not leave you at a distance. God won't leave you there far off from him. God will, in his sovereign fatherly grace, 
forgive you. He will restore you to himself. He will bring you back into the abode of his love. And through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our high priest, offered up to the Lord our God, we, we will be brought back into God's nearer presence. And so we pray in hope. We pray in sure and in certain hope, knowing that when we pray, through the mediation of Jesus Christ, we do enter into the holy temple. We enter into the heavenly temple there to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. We pray to a God who hears us. We pray to a God who is sovereign over us. We pray to a God who gives us hope. And fourthly and finally, we pray to a God who saves us. Jonah has prayed to a a sovereign and a gracious God who hears him and who gives him hope of rescue. And this is exactly what we see happened to Jonah. God saved him. Verse 5. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Jonah's life was being squeezed out of him. It was being choked and sucked out of him. Jonah was surrounded by waters. Jonah was being entombed, as it were, in a watery grave and the bars as he puts it of the murky underworld those awful gates of Hades had imprisoned him and pressed him down Jonah had hit rock bottom literally so there was no way out for him he could not do anything about his condition he could not save himself he was utterly helpless But then God brought up his life from the pit. God raised him back up to life. God restored him to life. God saved him from death. And that belly of the fish, whom the Lord had sovereignly appointed to swallow Jonah whole, that belly of the fish became to Jonah, as it were, an ark of salvation. became to Jonah a place of safety, a place of refuge, a place of life from the dead. When you are in the depths, when you are in the murky darkness, and when it feels as though your life is being squeezed out of you, and that there is no way out, when you come face to face with your utter helplessness. Hope in God, as Psalm 42 says. He is your God. He is your salvation. That does not change. That is always true. And therefore you shall again praise him.
And this is exactly what we see Jonah doing right at the end of this chapter. We see him offering up God, exalting God, glorifying praise. Jonah has prayed to a God who hears. He's prayed to a God who is absolutely sovereign. He has prayed to a God who fills him with hope. He has prayed to a God who saves him and raises him up from the pit. And fittingly, therefore, Jonah concludes his wonderful prayer with praise. Those who pay regard to vain idols, verse 8, forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's vain, Jonah says. Utterly vain to worship idols, non-gods, who foolishly we sometimes think to be gods whether they be the idols of Assyria, the idols of the Ninevites, or whether they be, as in Jonah's case, the idol of national pride. It is vain to worship idols. It is the height of folly. For only with the Lord is there steadfast love. Only with the Lord is there salvation. And therefore, only the Lord, only the Lord, is to be praised, adored, and worshipped. And that is what we see Jonah doing by the end of his prayer. Having begun his prayer by crying out to the Lord in his utter distress, we see him ending his prayer by crying out to the Lord in wholehearted praise. Here is a man who had sinned greatly, who had been plunging headlong to his death. But he cried out to the Lord and the Lord had heard him and he had raised him up. And as Jonah rightly says in a summary of the book of Jonah and indeed of the whole Bible, salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation is all of the Lord from beginning to end. And this is what Jonah has now experienced for himself. He has experienced for himself that salvation truly does belong to the Lord and to the Lord alone. This is what Jonah had come to see and that is why he he praised the Lord so much and said, I am committed to you. I am going to turn away from all idols I'm going to commit myself to you and worship you. And if Jonah had reason to thank and to praise the Lord, then how much more do we? How much more do we this evening have reason to praise the Lord? Is it not the case that once we were drowning in disobedience? That once we were plunging headlong towards the pit of death, that our sins had choked all spiritual life from us. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. 
But then God, because he is rich in mercy, because of his great love for us, because he is sovereign in his grace, God raised us up and made us alive together, together with Christ, together that is with the greater than Jonah. Because of course as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish before being vomited out upon dry land, before returning to the land of the living having been in the pit of death, So too, Jesus himself spent, as he himself said, spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth before being vomited out, raised up to the land of the living. And in so doing, he accomplished our salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, just like Jonah, you deserve death. You deserve to be submerged by God's wrath. You deserve to be entombed in the belly of Sheol. You deserve to be cast into the pit of hell, as do I. But again, just like Jonah, you have been delivered God has saved you. God has rescued you. Through the death and the resurrection of his only begotten son. Now you are alive, raised up and seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And it is in Christ Jesus, your greater than Jonah, that you pray to the God who hears you. To the God who rules sovereignly over you. To the God who fills you with hope. And to the God who will save you from everlasting death and grant to you everlasting life. And in response, what do we do? We simply praise him. We praise him with all our hearts. All praise be to our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom... Salvation belongs. Amen.